If you're a guest with us this morning, I want to welcome you once again to Providence Row. My name is Blake Hilgenfeld, one of the pastors here, and we are very grateful and thankful that you're here this morning. Uh, college students, welcome back. It's good to have you here. Uh, when you are gone, you are missed. You're a big part of this family, and so uh, we hope that, uh, that the semester, or I mean not the semester, the, the break was good for you, it was restful, and that you're ready to start a, a new semester. All right, so this morning we are going to uh, be uh, starting a three-week series on the vision and mission of Providence Road Church, all right? So uh, this morning we're going to be looking at the vision and mission of Providence Road. The next two weeks we're going to be looking at our identities as a people. Uh, The gospel shapes us as a people. And so we find our primary identity in the gospel. So we are learners, we are worshipers, we are family, and we are missionaries. And so those are kind of our four primary identities as a people that make up Providence Road. And so the next two weeks, we're going to look at what those are and actually how we are to live them out as a church, as a people. Uh, But this morning, we're going to focus on kind of like a a 30,000-foot view on the mission and vision of uh, the church. And this isn't just for Providence Road. Really, we see this in Scripture. And so this is the vision for the big C, the church in the city and among um, all nations of uh, the world. But before we jump into um, the the word and to kind of expose and see how uh, we, we find the vision in scripture, I want us to come before the Father and I want us to pray and then we'll jump into the text this morning. Let's pray. Father, we are very grateful and thankful that you have brought us into this place this morning. And so as we're going to see, you have an amazing vision for this city. And your desire is to saturate every home and every heart with your glory Your desire and your long is to to saturate every crevice and and dark corner of the city with the presence of your son, Jesus Christ. And you have called us, your church, your people, to be a part of this vision. Father, you call normal, everyday, weak and broken sinners to be a part of your kingdom. And then you allow us to be a part of this vision of saturating the city with the glory of Jesus Christ. So, Father, we ask that you would come and that you would awaken us this morning, that you would help us to see this glorious vision of gospel saturation, that we would give our lives to see this vision fulfilled. Come Holy Spirit and give us eyes to see. Come Holy Spirit and awaken our hearts to see the greatness of Jesus. Come and work the miracle of changing our hearts that we may love what you love and that is to see a city saturated with the glory of your name. We ask these things in the precious and the mighty and the authority of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so again, this morning we're going to be looking at the mission and vision of uh, the church, of the big C or of of Providence Road as well. And and really kind of the reason why we do this every uh, single year, we kind of come back to this vision series at the beginning of January, is because at times we can be very forgetful people, can't we? Like at times we can be distracted, we can, we can get off focus, we can put our focus and attention on something else. And so it's really good for us to kind of come back and see what the vision is for this city, God's vision for the city, and God's vision for us as a church. Uh, I assume that you know that we are living in a, in a city, in a culture where Jesus and the church are still very much a part of our culture, Right? 
Like uh, if you've, uh, I assume most of us uh, in here probably have grown up in the church. If you have not grown up in the church, you, you know who Jesus is or, or you know some things about the church. Now, there is a danger that comes along with this. Because everything outside of these walls actually disciples us and teaches us to be very individualistic and consumeristic. And so if we're not careful, we can actually turn the church into something that it isn't supposed to be, and we can make Jesus into something that he's not. And so it's really important for us to come back to this vision, because listen, I've grown up in this city. Like, this place is my home. And I've grown up in the Christian culture, and I've seen what actually Christianity can become. Like, it becomes this. It becomes, at times, just kind of like a a checklist, right? Like something that we're just supposed to do as good Christian people. We're supposed to just come in uh, to this building week in and week out. We've kind of done our thing, and then we go on to do something else. Or it becomes something that we begin to think that, you know, if I do these religious duties, uh, like going to church, that God is kind of kind of be in my favor, and I'm actually going to start receiving some good things from God and not some bad things from God, which is not really good theology at all. Or at times we can just kind of bunker down, right? We can bunker down and kind of stay within these walls, which then equals we kind of stay within our church bubble, and it totally isolates ourselves from the church or from the people around us. We totally start uh, hiding out, and we start kind of being hidden from this city who desperately needs to hear and see what the kingdom of God is really all about, So that's what we're going to kind of focus in on this morning. We're going to focus in what the vision of the church is, and that really is for us to be a people who saturate this city with the presence of Christ. So we, as a a people, as the church, are we called into the kingdom, but then we're sent out to declare what the kingdom of God is all about, and then we actually are supposed to demonstrate what the kingdom looks like in everyday life. So that's what we're going to focus on this morning, but let me just say this really quick. If you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, you're here this morning and you're kind of just checking out church, maybe you were invited by a, church, a friend to come to church and, and uh, maybe you've actually been uh, burnt by the church in the past, let me just say that we are very grateful and thankful that you're here this morning. Because our greatest desire here at Province Road is not necessarily to get you to come to church so that we can grow a bigger church. Like, we're, we're not in this to build a name for Providence Road. We're not, we're not in this to, 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 to make Providence Road look really, really good. Our greatest desire for you, if you've come into this place and you don't know Jesus, is actually to introduce you to that person, Jesus Christ. Like we want to introduce you to a person who died 2,000 years ago on a cross to to free us from sin and death that we may have everlasting life in his presence where there's fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Like we want to introduce you to the one who reigns over all things and, and who one day is going to come and he's going to restore all things back to the way in which they always were meant to be and he's going to reign forever and this person, his name is Jesus Christ and we want you to know him. Like we want you to find freedom and joy in him that you have been looking for in the things of this world that leave you empty and wanting more because the things of this world are always going to leave you empty. They're always going to leave you dissatisfied. But I hope as you see this morning, Jesus really is, is what's missing in your life. He is what brings true freedom and joy and that you will hear that you are actually invited this morning to come into a people, to be a part of a family called the church whose greatest mission and vision and purpose for our lives is to saturate this city with the glory of Jesus Christ. 
Like that's it. That, that is the mission and vision that every single one of us is actually invited to join God on this morning. So this is what I want us to do. I don't want you to take my kind of word for that vision and mission. I want us to, 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 to look at God's word. So if you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to the Gospel of Mark. Chapter 1, we're also going to be uh, in the book of Acts, but I want you to turn first to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, there's one maybe on your seat, see next to you. The verses will eventually be up on the screen as well. Let me just say this as you're turning there. For those uh, who may not know, the Gospel of Mark is written by a, a disciple of Jesus, obviously by the name Mark, right? And so it is an eyewitness account of the life and the death and the resurrection of the person named Jesus Christ. And so at the very beginning of chapter 1, Mark tells us that Jesus is going from village to village. He's going from town to town, and he has a message. He has a message that he is proclaiming, that he is declaring, that he is saturating that area with, and it's found in verse 15. Look at it with me. Jesus says this. He says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And so Jesus is going from town to town. He's going from village to village, and he's proclaiming this message. He's saying, hey, a new kingdom has come. And this kingdom isn't like earthly kingdoms. It's not like earthly governments. In fact, this kingdom will reign forever. This, king has, uh, this kingdom has no end. This kingdom is coming once and for all, and he is the king of this kingdom. Jesus Christ is the king, and he is the name above every name. Jesus is the righteous king. He is the good king. He is the, the loving king. He is the, 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 the gracious and the merciful king that we have actually been looking for in any human leader. He's the perfect one. He fulfills perfection in regards to being this true and righteous and good king. And here he comes on the scene and he's saying, hey, the new kingdom has come and I am the king of, of, of this kingdom. And he goes on to spread this message and this is, this is the message. Listen very carefully. As he goes from village to village, he's calling people to actually submit their lives to his rule and his authority. So he's calling people from turning from actually living under their own authority and living under their own rule, which is the greatest desire of the human heart actually is to make ourselves king, right? It's to make ourselves God. It's to, to, to be under our own rule, to be under our own authority. We don't want people to tell us what to do, do we? But Jesus is coming on the scene saying, listen, I am the king. And everyone who submits and comes under my leadership, under my authority, under my rule, will actually be free from sin and death and actually receive everlasting life in my eternal kingdom. And then, and then the opposite, though, is true. He says, for those who do not come to me, for those who refuse to actually bow in allegiance to me and put yourself under my rule, under my authority, actually, you're going to remain to slavery, to sin and death, and be separated and have everlasting misery outside of my kingdom. This is the message of the gospel. This is the message that Jesus came on the scene and he is proclaiming to village to village there in that time. And that is the same mission or the same message that Jesus Christ declares to you and me and every single person in the city and among the nations. The message is clear. Jesus says, come to me. Come and submit your life to me. 
Come and put yourself under my rule, my good rule. I'm a good king. My, my burden is light. My, 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 my yoke is easy. I, I am the good. I am the righteous. I am the loving. I'm the all-merciful king. Come and submit your life to me. And if you do, everlasting life in my presence, everlasting life in my kingdom, where there's fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. But if you refuse, you're going to be outside and separated from my kingdom forever. That's the message of the king. That's the message that he proclaims. And as he proclaims this message, actually, we see something amazing begin to happen. So Jesus not only proclaims the message of his kingdom, but he starts calling. He starts calling every day. He starts calling messed up, broken sinners actually into his kingdom to be a part of his glorious kingdom. But then he sends them out to actually do the very same things Jesus was doing. Mark verse 16, chapter 1 says it, shows us. As Jesus was passing by along uh, by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, Simon's brother. They were casting a net in the sea since they were fishermen. Follow me, Jesus told them, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and they followed Jesus. Guys, let us not miss the significance of this. This is really important for us to hear this morning. Jesus comes to ordinary people like you and me. He comes to ordinary fishermen and businessmen. And he says, follow me. Follow me, and not only will you get to be a part of my glorious kingdom, but actually I'm going to send you out to proclaim and demonstrate what this kingdom is. I'm going to send you out to actually bring other people into my kingdom. And so ordinary fishermen and businessmen, tax collectors, which were basically thieves and crooks, prostitutes, were invited into Jesus' kingdom. And then they were sent out to do the very same things Jesus was doing. So he calls the unoppressive. He calls the undeserving. He calls the uneducated. He calls the most unlikely of people to actually be a part of his kingdom and actually follow him. And that's really good news because, you know, I'm not very impressive. I'm not, I'm not deserving of being able to be a part of his kingdom. Actually, I've rebelled against the king, and I actually deserve to be separated from the king. But he comes to me, he comes to all of us, the most undeserving, and he says, follow me. You get to be a part of my kingdom. And actually, you're more than just being a part of my kingdom. I'm actually going to establish and advance my kingdom through you, the most unlikely of people. And so they begin to follow Jesus. They, they watch him declare the kingdom. They, they, they hear him say, all who come to me will find the freedom from sin and death and have everlasting life. And then they see him and watch him actually demonstrate and live out what the kingdom of God is all about. They watch Jesus Love the unlovable. They see Jesus welcome those whose society says, you know what, you have no value. They see Jesus care for the sick. They see Jesus welcome and be friends to sinners. So they watch Jesus live out what this kingdom is all about. They, they see him embrace the lonely. They see him, they, they see him embrace the well outcast and become friends with all of these. And so Jesus is actually teaching them and showing them what this kingdom is all about and how actually they are to do the very same thing. They are to welcome the, 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 those in society. People says, you know what, we don't want you. you they are to, to, to love the outcast and to love the broken and, and to, to be hospitable people and to, to open up their homes to, to people who have no homes. 
So Jesus is showing them how the kingdom is actually breaking into their lives and how it's actually breaking into the lives of those around us, that, around them, and then he sends them out to do the very same thing. Mark 6, verse 7. Turn with me there. So Jesus calls people into his kingdom, and then he called the 12 and began to send them out, right? So he sends them out two by two and gave them authority over all the unclean spirits, and he charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff. So no bread, no bag, no money. Uh, so they will be totally pitted upon God for all things. And then Mark says at the very uh, uh, at the end of that, is he says, and so they went out and they proclaimed that people should repent. And they, and they cast out many demons and anointed many uh, with oil and who were sick and he healed them. And so listen, let us not miss the significance of that, the, these two words of sent out. Jesus calls ordinary people into his kingdom, and then those two words, sends out. Those essentially two words are what describe or sum up the mission and vision of the church today. So Jesus calls ordinary people into his kingdom, and then what does he do? He sends them out in his own authority as representatives of the king to be able to demonstrate and declare who Jesus is and what his kingdom is all about. So listen, that is essentially the vision for the church today. So the same vision and mission that Jesus gave his disciples at the very beginning of Mark is the same mission and vision that he gives us today as his disciples. It's the call to go, not stay inside. It's the call to be disciples who make disciples, and that is the mission for the church. But notice, guys, notice something very, very important in verse 12. What was their response? They went, right? Mark says that Jesus gave them authority and sends them out, and so they went. They went and preached that people should come into the kingdom to turn from their own authority and rule and submit to Jesus' authority and rule and gave them authority to cast out demons and, and to heal, and so they went. The disciples did not just sit around in comfortable church buildings and just talk about what it means to be sent out. They didn't hide themselves from those around them and just simply talk about what it may look like, just to kind of imagine and envision what it may look like to actually be sent out. Listen, they, they obeyed. They went. I, I've shared this illustration before in the past, but I think it's really fitting for us this morning. I heard a speaker give this illustration, and he told his daughter to go clean her room. And so after some time, uh, the daughter came back, and he said, hey, honey, did you clean your room? And she said, no, but I thought a lot about what you said. I even memorized what you told me to do. I even invited some friends over, and we talked about what it may look like to actually clean my room, and we actually memorized it in Greek. He said, it's me. He said, for so many years, I just listened to what Jesus asked me to do and calls us to do. I listened, and I memorized, and I talked about it, but I never went. Church, like, I mean, is this true of us? Do, or have we just become really good at listening to Jesus' words and talking about Jesus' words and imagining what it would be like to actually go be sent out, but we actually just stay inside of our comfortable spaces and places, and we actually remain hidden and silent from the world around us? I mean, is that true? I know it's true of my life, and so I, I need to confess to you this morning that, listen, man, like, I, I, I've got fears. I, I love comfort. 
I love the approval of others, or I don't really want to be disapproved of, right? I mean, what if I don't have the words to say to someone's objection to who Jesus is, that he is the only way, the truth, and life, and no one come to the Father except through him? I mean, people don't like that, right? I mean, what if people don't like me? What if they say bad things about me? Like, listen, the truth is these loves of mine, these fears, these idols actually cause me to bunker down and hide from the world around me. They cause me to be silent, even though I know the truth of Romans 10, 13 through 15, which says that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But how are they to call on him and who they have never believed? And how are they to believe in, in him and who they've never heard? And how are they going to hear unless someone goes and tells them, someone goes and preaches, and someone goes to declare, not just the preacher up here, but us. And as it's written, how beautiful, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the gospel message. Like, I know these truths, and yet I still remain silent, even though I know the truth of this, that no one will ever be saved unless they hear about Jesus. No one. I mean, do, do, we, do we believe that? Like, if Jesus is the way, the truth, and life, and no one come to the Father except through him, if he is the only way, then how are people going to know that he's the only way unless we go out and we tell others we saturate this city with the good news of Jesus Christ? Church, we got to wake up. we got to wake up and, and realize that the greatest need in the church today is not bigger buildings. It's not bigger budgets. It's not bigger, better programs. It's not bigger and better conferences. It's not, it's not beautiful kids' programs and spaces. I mean, it, those things are, are needed and, and they're good, but that's not the greatest need. The greatest need within the church today is actually for the disciples of Jesus, those within these buildings, actually to go and to saturate this city with the gospel of Jesus Christ and declare that he is the king of this kingdom. Listen, God didn't save us just to simply go to church. He saved us to be the church. He redeemed us, and he sends us out to redeem those around us. He has saved us, and he sends us out to, to, to spread this message of his glory to those in this city. He calls us into his glorious kingdom, and he sends us out to invite others to come into his glorious kingdom. That is the vision for the church, guys. That's it. And we see this clearly within scripture the book of acts chapter one this is this is how the church basically starts right like before jesus goes to be with his father is meeting with his disciples one last time and this is what he says in chapter one he says this he says you've heard from me for john baptized with water but you'll be baptized with the holy spirit not many days from now so when they had come together they asked him lord Will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. But you're going to receive what? You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to do what? To be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Like that, That's the vision. It's right there, right? It's this saturation. It's this ripple effect starting in Jerusalem and moving all the way to the ends of the earth. That is the vision for the church. He sends us out in the power of the Holy Spirit to actually be his witnesses. But he says to the disciples, guys, don't go. Don't go yet. Don't go in your own power. Don't go in your own strength. Don't go in your own effort. I'm actually going to send the Holy Spirit to you who's actually going to enable you and empower you to do the things that I have been doing. 
I'm actually going to send the one who lives within me that's enabling me to actually live my life the way that I lived and to do the ministry that I am doing. I'm actually going to send the Holy Spirit and you're going to be sent out to do the very same things that I am doing, to declare me and to demonstrate me with your life. So the same power that the, that the early disciples, the early church needed to actually saturate all of that region with the gospel is the same power that we need today to saturate this city. And the good news is, is that we have it. I mean, think about it just for a moment. And I know we talk about this a lot, but listen, if you are in Christ this morning, then the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives and dwells within you. This same spirit that actually Jesus, to, to, to live the life that he lived, lives and dwells within every single person who is in Christ this morning. I mean, that is power, isn't it? And that is such good news. Because listen, who else has the power to convict hearts of sin? Holy Spirit. I mean, who else has the power to expose the darkness of people's hearts and shine the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ into people's hearts? Holy Spirit. I mean, who else has the power to heal? Holy Spirit. Who else has the power to help us to love our enemies? Holy Spirit. Who else has the power to help us overcome our fears and love of man and love of comfort? It's the Holy Spirit. Church, listen, man, we have the Spirit of Christ living and dwelling within us. We have the power to continue, listen very carefully, to continue the mission that Jesus started. And so for us to see the vision fulfilled of this city saturated with the glory of Christ, he uses us and sends us out with that same power, with that same spirit to demonstrate and declare the gospel in everyday life. That's the mission. That's the vision. That's it. So let's get, let's get kind of our boots on the ground, all right? So let's, let's get off the 30,000-foot level and let's kind of get down into the nitty-gritty. What does this actually look like in your life? Like, how are we actually to live? What does this look like? Listen, if the vision is to saturate this city with the gospel, with the glory of Christ, then gospel saturation therefore happens in the everyday stuff of life, right? Like, it's as you go, as you go into your workplace, as you sit on the bleachers and watch your kids' basketball games. As you go into your neighborhoods, as you go into your fraternities and sororities, as you go, go into, your, into your classes, wherever you go, you actually go in the power of the Holy Spirit to saturate wherever you're at with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are there to declare him and you're, and you're there to live out kingdom lives. That's it. So we go, but listen, we also take risks, don't we? Like we... We, we put ourselves in uncomfortable situations where we actually need the comforter, the Holy Spirit. We actually put ourselves in, in situations where we need help and we actually need the helper, who is what? Who is the Holy Spirit. And so we take risks, we put ourselves in uncomfortable situations, and we actually risk our own reputation for his reputation. Like, like, like we, we, we care a little bit less about our own name and about making ourselves look great and making ourselves look like we're better than we really are, and we just care about making his name look great. There's a guy within the church who was uh, shopping at this local uh, store, and as he was shopping, he, uh, he sensed the Holy Spirit was telling him uh, to invite the, the person at the cash register to church with him. And so uh, at first, kind of ignored uh, the Holy Spirit, and, and, uh, but as he continued to shop, he couldn't, he couldn't shake it. 
And so uh, he ends up going and introduces himself to the person at the cash register. He says, hey, I know this may sound a little strange, but I want to to invite you to come to church with me. And he made some sort of joke about never really being in church before. He didn't didn't come, but they became friends. And so this guy continued to go back into this local store and shopped, and his wife would go, and they would would have conversations, and would become friends with this guy who who owned this, uh, this local store. And this guy has never stepped foot in this building, but actually he came into their missional community. And the missional community actually had the opportunity to pray over him and his family. Now, I'm not sure if anyone has ever, if he's never stepped foot in a, in a church building before. No, one, no one's ever prayed over him and his family. And so here you have this missional community praying over him and his family and, and, and continuing to pray that the gospel would saturate their hearts, would saturate their family, would saturate that store. That, that's gospel saturation, guys. It's, 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 it's like, it's, it's as we go, Right? I mean, he just was shopping at a local store. Holy Spirit said, hey, engage this person. Talk with this person. I heard another story of, um, of a young lady who befriended an international student. And so uh, they uh, invited the international student to come to one of their uh, missional communities. And so after, this, uh, after the missional community, they were driving in their car home, and the international student said, you know what, I, I've never had any desire for spiritual things. I, I've had no desire. It's been pretty re- irrelevant to me. But would you tell me more about Jesus? And so this young lady in the car with this new friend as they're driving home had the opportunity to tell her of the one, of the only one who came to rescue and it came to restore and to came to reconcile our relationship with our God. And she, she told her about the one who reigns over all things and the one who is going to come and restore all things back to the way in which they were meant to be right there in the car. And the everyday stuff of life, she actually was able to share the gospel with someone who has never, ever heard. That's it, guys, right? I mean, that's gospel saturation. That's, that's declaring and demonstrating the gospel in everyday life. Another story of a student within Providence Road who befriended an employee within a coffee shop. Started talking and having conversations with this employee. Employee had no desire for spiritual things. It was actually very anti-Christianity, uh, very anti-religion, very anti-Jesus. But as they started having these conversations, uh, things began to change. And they actually started reading the Bible together. And then the employee actually came into this, into this building, into this space for a few weeks and actually heard how someone can actually become made right with God through the person of Jesus Christ as we preach the gospel of, or, or, for the, the book of Romans. And after about three weeks of this, the Holy Spirit saturated that person's heart and exposed the darkness of their heart and shined the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ into their home and they gave their life to Christ. That's the vision. That's the, that's the mission of the church. That's what, that's what we have been saved for. We've been brought into the kingdom and then sends us out. It's normal, everyday students, stay-at-home moms, teachers, doctors, meteorologists, whatever. Like, you're saturating the coffee shops. You're, you're saturating whatever meteorologists do. Well, I don't know what that's called. Right? I mean, you, where, as you go, you're saturating. You bring the kingdom of God with you wherever you go. So imagine with me just for a moment. 
Groups of believers in Jesus meeting together throughout this city in what we call missional communities. And so together in our missional communities, we spend time together on a weekly basis and we begin to pray passionately for those in our lives who don't know Jesus. Coworkers, friends, classmates, neighbors. And we actually, as a community, begin to reorient our lives around those who don't know Jesus. And actually, we start spending time with them. And man, this sounds pretty crazy, but actually become friends, right? We become friends with them. We begin to care for them. We love them. We invite them in our home. If they have needs as a community, we're meeting those needs. And as we are developing those relationships and deepening those relationships, we're asking questions and being able to hear their story. And as we actually hear their story, we're actually able to share the story of how we actually came to know the King of Kings and the Prince of Peace, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and how his love and his grace has radically transformed our lives. How he's given us hope. How he has given us joy, how he has set us free from some of our addictions and love of self and those those things in our lives that we may all struggle with, that he's taken away our fears. Though we still struggle, he's given us so much hope and freedom and joy. And then we begin to, to share how he set us free from the most horrific thing imaginable, and that is to be separated for eternity from an all loving, gracious, and magnificent God. How he's forgiven us of our sin, he's taken away our guilt. He's given us the gift of his righteousness who makes us perfect in God's sight. And then we begin to invite those to Jesus. We begin to invite those to follow King Jesus. And and as they do, miraculously, as they do, because the Holy Spirit is beginning to to, to bring the kingdom into their lives and exposing the darkness of their hearts and shining the light of the gospel in their their life, they they become believers. And now we're teaching them actually the scriptures and how to follow Jesus and what their new identity of Christ is and and how they are to pray and be baptized. And then we're teaching them actually how to share their story of how they came to know the Savior with people in their lives. And this thing begins to multiply. It begins to saturate this city. And 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 then people come into this place and we celebrate all that God is for us and all that he's done for us. And then we're being equipped to what? To go back out. Guys, isn't this a beautiful picture? This is the vision for the church. This is the vision for your life. If you are a follower of Jesus this morning, he's calling every single one of us to follow him. He's calling all of us to saturate this city, to saturate as you go with the good news of who he is for his glory and not for our glory. So the question then is this, are we gonna give our lives to this? We're gonna give our time to this. We're going to give our resources to this. Because the reality and the truth is this. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of people outside these walls who desperately need to hear the message of salvation in Jesus Christ. They need to hear it. They need to see it. And who's going to help them see it? Who's going to help them hear it? It's us. It's you. It's me. As we go, as we live out as we follow Jesus, as we declare him, as we demonstrate in his life, we saturate this city with the gospel. Let's pray. This is what I want us to do this morning before we take the Lord's Supper. I just want to spend a few moments in prayer together as a people. And this may be a little strange for some of us. If you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, um, 
we're just going to spend this time praying because here's the truth, here's the reality that, that we, are, we are weak and, and broken people. We have a big and gracious and mighty God. And as you've heard this morning, this is the vision for the city. God's vision for the city is to saturate the city with his glory, and he uses us. And so our response then is to come before our gracious Heavenly Father and ask him to help us live this out, to help awaken us and to awaken a city to himself. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to spend just a few moments praying. So I'm going to start and I'm going to end, but in the in-between in in time, if you feel led and I encourage you to pray one at a time, to pray out loud, and let's come before our Father and let's beg Him for this. Don't be afraid. Be bold. We're all in this together. We, we're all for one another, and so don't be afraid. Let's come before our Father and let's ask that he would move in the city, that he would awaken a people to himself, that he awaken the church and they awaken a city to himself, to his glory. Can we do that? Can we do that? Yeah? Okay. So I'm going to pray to start us off. If you feel led to pray, pray loudly and I'll close our time. Father, we ask that you would awaken our hearts that you would continue to awaken our hearts and give us eyes to see this glorious vision of gospel saturation. Like this ripple effect that, that just this waves after waves after waves in this city just being poured out on this city for your glory. That eyes would be opened, the hearts would be open that Holy Spirit, that you would saturate people's hearts, that you would that you expose the darkness of the hearts and you would shine the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ in them, that we would see hundreds of people come to know you and to follow you. Father, we know the vision that all of history is moving towards you. Lay it out in your in scripture, in the book of Revelation, that there will come a day when all peoples and nations and tongues and tribes are worshiping at the feet and throne of you, King Jesus. And so you use us, the church, to carry out that vision. You use us, the power of the Holy Spirit, to go and proclaim the message of the King. For you have reconciled us to yourself and therefore you've given us the ministry of reconciliation and so we actually go out as your ambassadors on your behalf and we, we proclaim this message. And as we proclaim this message, you are working within that. It's your word and the spirit working within that to shine the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ in people's hearts and bringing them into the kingdom. So we thank you, Father, that you are a mighty God and that this mission is your mission and you're gonna accomplish this mission no matter what. For you have no rival. You have no equal. And you have many in this city whom you are redeeming and saving. So, Father, we ask that you would empower us and that you would help us through the power of the Holy Spirit to be bold witnesses for you as we leave this place, that we would go and proclaim, that we would go and declare, that we would go and demonstrate what the kingdom is all about. And we would watch you work miraculously of bringing people into your glorious kingdom. That's what we long for. That's what we ask for. We ask this thing, this, this in the name of Jesus. Amen.
So the night before Jesus goes to the cross, he's gathering with his disciples. And he takes the bread and he said, this is my body which is going to be broken for you. Then he takes the cup and he said, this is, this is my blood that's going to be poured out. It's going to be shed for the forgiveness of sin. It's going to wipe away. It's going to cover every single sin of my people. I'm taking it upon myself and I'm taking their place and I'm going to be their substitute so that they will never after, ever have to receive the punishment for their sin because I'm going to take it for them. Jesus goes to the cross. He conquers Satan's sin and death and he rose from the dead and he goes to his disciples before he goes back to the Father and sends the Holy Spirit, sends them out. And he's sending us out today. Same mission, same vision for early disciples, early church, same mission and vision for us. This is what I want you to do. If you are a follower of Jesus in here this morning, if you are banking in Jesus for your only hope of salvation, to be the forgiveness of your sin and the perfect obedience and righteousness that you need to be in the presence of a holy and righteous God, if, if that's it for you, if you are banking in him, then this is what I want you to do. I want you to spend some time reflecting on this vision that God has for your life and this vision of seeing him worship more in this city. And maybe there's some uh, indifference in your heart. Maybe there's some, um, maybe you've been apathetic to this vision and mission. And maybe you need to confess it to the Father and ask Him to change you. Ask Him to give you uh, power. Ask Him to, to give you boldness to leave this place and, and not be afraid of what people may think. But that you be more concerned about what He thinks of you. And because you're in Christ, you're deeply loved and you're deeply accepted. But listen, if that's not you this morning, if you've never trusted in Christ, as your salvation, as your only hope of salvation. I, I just invite you to do that this morning. Listen, the reality is we've all rebelled against God. We've all submitted ourselves to our own rule and authority. And actually that rebellion, what we deserve as a result of that rebellion is to be separated from God forever. But Jesus Christ came to restore us back to himself. And he invites you to himself this morning to receive his, his life and his death and his resurrection as your only hope of salvation. So come and confess your sin to him this morning. Come and, and receive his finished work on, on the cross and his resurrection for you to be your salvation for this morning. If that's you, come and partake in the Lord's Supper for the first time. But if it's not you, I, I just encourage you to stay where you're at because this is a family deal. This is for those who are followers of Jesus and just continue to reflect on the things that you heard this morning. But if you are in Christ, when you're ready, I want you to come and celebrate our King, celebrate our Savior by taking the Lord's Supper.